on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. We'll tell you a long story about upside down smiley face making the news. Call them out. Google Ads custom columns just got a whole lot better. Plus, there's a huge opportunity coming for brands on Instagram. But don't blame the kids. They're just a product of their generation. All on today's show. Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock. Just stay tuned. Digital marketing news. But let's get specific. Digital ads, SEO, and analytics. Social media and more. Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform. New shows every Friday. We give you the news with sass and puns and definitely high takes. Thank you for tuning in. You know what time it is. It's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shop. I'm Jess Bud. And I'm Greg Finn. And it is officially marketing o'clock. Here on April 22nd, 2022. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another fabulous episode. Greg and Jess are drinking salt water today. We sure are. We are. I'm I, keto again. I don't want to get the keto flu. I need to have my sodium up. I, I don't know how that adds up, but <laughs> I'm a follower. Truly, so. yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> science. Just literally so. said, I'll do anything Greg tells me to do. He's my boss. Don't don't you dare <laughs> that say that. That is just and not what you want to say. <laughs> I agree with you, Chef. I agree with you. Okay, Greg. Tastes like what else is new with you besides salt water? Um, so it's a break here for, for my children and... They, we sent them to which Shep besmirched my name to a theater camp. I was just (laughs) surprised that you wanted to encourage anything that involves like playing pretend imagination. (gasps) I just feel like you would send them to like how to make a knife camp or something. I'm sure that's next. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, my kids were going to theater camp. And there were two different plays that they could choose from. Musicals, plays, whatever you want to call them. And one of them was a little movie called Encanto. And the other was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So what do you think my kids picked? Um, Encanto. No, your kids are old school. They pick Charlie. They don't. Who even knows the music from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Well, there I'll tell you any. who does. The two little Oompa Loompas that I have that are in Charlie and Chocolate Factory. And then just a little update. They said only the kindergartners did Encanto. So a little, you know, word on the street. We don't talk about about the kindergartners. So they were cast as Oompa Loompas or that was a joke? They're cast as Oompa Loompas. Oh, my God. So I have two Oompa Loompas and we practice singing the Oompa Loompa songs at night. That is the best song. (laughs) It's Friday at 3 (laughs) o'clock. Yes. That so, sounds incredible. Yeah, so I got two little Oompa Loompas and I'm very proud of them. That's so sweet. <laughs> Jess, new, what's new with you? Oh, I don't have anything prepared. <laughs> My Oompa Loompa is, yeah, he's just, <laughs> don't. <laughs> well, I had a fun slash not fun weekend with my Oompa Loompa. I just feel like Easter is like a really rough holiday. You wake up, you eat candy for breakfast, then you're expected to drink champagne on like nothing but candy in your stomach. We were cut in line, not only at McDonald's, but in line for communion at church. Why were you at McDonald's on Easter? <laughs> because you go to all these parties and the party isn't until noon and you're a bad mom so you don't make a breakfast plan and then you leave church and it's 40 minutes to get to the party and you're starving and you need your Easter Diet Coke because he is risen. And 
Easter's like the only day I go to McDonald's. As millions of Americans have also said. So how was your first Diet Coke back after Lent? Oh, it was really delicious. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so I just think Easter's truly, truly a treacherous day. The food isn't that good, and McDonald's is better. Look, I ate a lot of food. That's why I'm drinking salt water and keto over here, <laughs> to be so honest. Gross. Yeah, I thought I'm Easter was glorious. Bloody Marys and French toast? Whose kid doesn't love that? If you guys are looking for more content, there is a semi-new episode of Agency <laughs> Scoop. Really, we just forgot to talk about it for a long time. But Jill is sitting down with Trisha Barrett from another agency, Crowley Web and Praxis, and they're talking all things agency fun, pandemic stories. It's a great episode, so listen to it wherever you're listening to this. Super cool. And if you're looking on ways to give back, I thought Trisha had a bunch of really nice initiatives that they had over there at Crowley Web, so don't miss it. And next up, while the invasion of the Ukraine is still going on, we're going to highlight some good every beginning of the show here. And from Ahrefs this week, a former sponsor, they've raised $1.3 million for the Ukraine. So if you are looking and you're on the fence between what tool you might want to use, hey, you know what? Ahrefs is standing behind Ukraine. They have been for the entire uh, you know invasion here. And Dmitry, who founded Ahrefs, I believe, is also from Ukraine. So um, check that out. What's happening in the news? All right. First up in the main news this week, regular people rejoice. Instagram product tagging, a feature that was previously available to only brands and creators, is now rolling out to all public accounts in the U.S. You heard me right. Anyone with a public account can now tag a specific product in their post, which other users can then click open view the product information, and purchase said product. This was announced back in March as an impending feature, but it is now officially here again in the U.S. I think it's brilliant. It's dangerous, perhaps, but brilliant. Because if you think about it, people that aren't influencers or creators act like it anyway on Instagram. We have a very narcissistic culture. Totally. Right? And people are always showing off what they're up to and as if people care, right? And a lot of people don't, but some might. My nephew in particular, he's 12.75 years old, and he just thinks he has the largest What? He'll be 13 next month, so whatever the math is. I think the math is almost 13. He's almost 13, but he's like, he's grown up as part of the YouTube generation. Like, everything he does, he just acts like he has this massive audience, and he's always talking about what he's got, like his fishing lures or where his hat came from, and now he can tag that thing, and his friends can buy it. Businesses are going to be able to take advantage of this. They're going to get a lot more exposure. I think it's great. And honestly, like, Greg, I care a lot about your opinion. As we talked about, you tell me to drink salt water, I jump. If you were to tag a product, like, that's more powerful to me as your friend than, like, Kylie Jenner or some person I don't care about. So I could see this actually really being good from a sales perspective and a branding perspective, too, because the first thing you have to do is actually tag the brand before you can tag the product. So there's two opportunities for visibility there for the business. And I just think that this is actually kind of brilliant. It's going to work. I, I appreciate it. And I need to clarify something about what you said. She <laughs> drinks liquid IV that has salt in it. If you if you drink one of those liquid IVs, it is a very salty experience. It doesn't if taste you're salty, dehydrated. does it? If you're dehydrated, it's salty. If you're dehydrated, it does. So I was I just didn't want to eat any sugar, so I made my own liquid IV out of just salt and I gave you a suggestion of that. And I, I took just, it. I'm I, not judging yeah. you. I might be judging her. <laughs> I'm along for the ride. I like to do legal and safe 
Fun thing. Actually, I'm judging both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it though, chef, right? Like there's people in your life that you care about their opinion. And if they're just out there like posing kind of silly, you would have laughed at them before, but they're like, oh, that is a cute shade of lipstick. Lipsticks maybe. Out of my example, recommendations, but... how many of them are bad? Are, like you'd be like one out of 10 is bad. What percentage is bad? Zero. That's what I'm saying. If your friends are recommending things, like you might actually buy it. I think this is a great idea. Yeah. I, I take a lot of pride in my recommendations. To be well, fair. for me, you just like don't recommend things to me I anymore because you think you know so what? low you know of what? me. I sent you a song twice. I bet you didn't listen to it. It the Spotify link oh, didn't work. You can't just take two and two together. I literally searched the name and I said, "Is this the artist?" And nobody replied. Don't you listen to the marketing of playlist? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ruined that thing. Anyway, I, I actually think that this is legit cool and probably going to be huge. So again, just to reiterate, public profiles only in the U.S. right now, not private. And it's also just for feed posts. But according to the article in TechCrunch, Instagram is working on adding this to stories too. So we're only going to see this blow up. And I feel like it is, all kidding aside, a huge opportunity for brands. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure that everything is showing up properly and put some effort into that if you sell things, yeah. certainly. And next up in the news, we have another recommendation from Greg Finn. He has an article <laughs> for Search Engine Land where he is just imploring you to try the new Google Ads custom columns. But this is a recommendation that I appreciate. Thank you. I really try. Like, I really, I, re <laughs> I look at this news and I'm like, this news is amazing. Like, this is amazing. How is nobody talking about it? Nobody's this? talking about nobody, it. Nobody, except one person, Sarah. Yeah, we'll get there. So these historically, if you're not familiar with custom columns, they allow you to view column breakouts by conversion device and network. And now they have new features that are making them even better. Honestly, I would just think of it as the, res the possibilities are now limitless. If you have something you want to try to do with a custom column, you can probably do it. Just go check. And I bet you can. There's things that I wouldn't even think to do. So first they have these spreadsheet functions. So these will produce a return value based mainly on parameter input. These are passed in with parentheses after the function name and act similarly, similarly to options available in popular spreadsheet software, Greg says, aka Excel. So those are really, really <laughs> fun to play with. They also have the ability to calculate and compare across date ranges and set up cons to quickly diagnose what campaigns and ad groups are hitting specific metrics and goals for given periods within the web interface. They have options to reference other custom columns within formulas, which I feel like is just galaxy brain. Mm -hmm. um, you can filter um, by variables for conversions. There are non-metric columns with formulas like the ability to pull in campaign names, budgets, and more. And there are new column formats like date, text, and true and false. And you can also multiply filters to one formula. So we were playing with this around on Friday. There's a lot of fun stuff you can do. It's honestly a little bit overwhelming, but it's something that you just need to keep in the back of your mind when you have a new client. Like what custom column can I add to make my life easier, their life easier? I didn't even realize until we were playing around with them. I think you could do this before, but I made one for CPA based on one specific conversion action. Mm. Um, and it was in the all conversions column. So that made my life a lot easier. There's just a lot of fun stuff you can do. So Sarah Stamen has a LinkedIn post where she's saying how she's using them. She says, I got a bit nerdy today with Google's custom columns and some self-taught JavaScript. There are some tweaks and changes I had to make with experiments and ended 
campaigns, but I can see this feature being useful. So she has something where she has a column for the days um, past this month, days remaining, the current daily pace of spend and her predicted end of month cost. That's huge. Which is what Google Ads is trying to do with that budget script, but this could work for B2B. 100%. And then the best part about it is this is not in reports. This is not in a data studio. This is in the interface where you can make adjustments. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just a nice nudge for people like me. I always drag my feet with setting up my default columns. And like if things are just set up a different way, I don't take the time to set it up right. And I end up spending more time day to day. This is giving me the nudge to fix it and make everything based on the client set up the way it needs to be. And it's also just reminding me how annoying it is to find things in columns. (laughs) Like in Microsoft, if you type in, you're looking for quality score, you can't find it because it's called qual score and they can't figure out how to search for it that way. But it is CPA in Microsoft, but it's not in Google. It's so annoying. So just set up your custom columns the right way so you don't have to look for them different ways in both. Yeah, and then one other thing this author forgot. Who who wrote this again? Bad journalism. Some guy. (laughs) Anyway, you can still take these custom columns and use segmentation within the interface as well. So in Shep's example, where she had the CPA for a certain conversion, you could still segment by device, see that one um, CPA for that conversion action, and then segment by mobile, desktop, tablet, and all that. Yeah, so thank you, Google Ads. Thank you, Custom Columns. Thank you, Saltwater. Thank you, Craig. (laughs) All right, next up in the news, right after we recorded, I swear, we ended the show and Elon Musk tried to actually buy Twitter. I think he's listening. He's listening, but he's listening like in the room. Yeah, because we haven't posted the show yet. (laughs) (laughs) But we had talked about it last week. He was going to be on the board of directors, and then he said he's um, not going to be, and he's trying to do this hostile takeover where he's trying to buy Twitter for $43 billion. A lot has happened, but let me just go through it. It also seems like he's still trying to get the funds together. So he's trying to figure out how to borrow against his Tesla shares. Um, but it seems like I, if anybody can figure out how to find $43 billion, I feel like it's Elon. Him, <laughs> like yeah. he sends things to space and makes electric cars. So like I feel like he'll figure that part out. Um, and so the letter that Musk wrote when he tried to buy the company said, I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. It's going to be hard not to talk about politics here. I don't know why. It's a guy buying Twitter, but I get it. So I'm just, there's no political stance here. I'm just talking about Elon. Generally think very good for the environment having electric cars. Seems like a very smart person. That's all, That's those are my two takes, all right? So, so everybody is upset about this. And some of the people that are the most upset are the board members of Twitter. Uh, We talked about it last week where the board members of Twitter basically have no ownership. Um, Jack Dorsey is the highest percentage of ownership with 2.25%. Nobody else even has a 0.1% ownership. Um, And Elon and a bunch of people are saying, well, this is a problem um, because these people aren't like financially incentivized, to which a bunch of people came out and said, well, they actually make a lot of money being on the board. And somebody named Gary Gary Black, at Gary Black OO on Twitter said, let me point something obvious. If Elon Musk takes Twitter private, the Twitter board members don't have jobs anymore, which pay them between 250K and 350K per year 
for what is a nice part-time job that could explain a lot. So the board is trying to put a poison pill so Elon Musk can't buy this. And so Elon Musk responded to Gary Black on April 17th and said, the board salary will be $0 if my bid succeeds. So that's a $3 million a year saves saving right there. Oh my God. So he's trying to not pay the board and the board's trying to get him not to take ownership of this. And then Elon's putting out these these polls saying like, is it, should the board, like, should, should the board, whose right is it to tell me no? Is it the board or the shareholders and starting this whole thing up? And then he goes on to say, so, and I would generally agree with this. Again, this is a very even statement, I would imagine. He says, a social media platform's policies are good if the most extreme 10% on the left and right are equally unhappy, which I think a lot of times you want to be fair and unfair in both ways to both to whoever you are regardless. I'd imagine we probably just got canceled for that. <laughs> um, and then there are articles going on about Elon's tweets since the last time. So this is Reuters, and they say Musk tweets cryptic phrase days after Twitter takeover offer. So this is, again, main news, and it goes, blank is the night. This is the night like Lady and the Tramp? We don't know. Everybody's trying to figure out what this is. And Tonight? Bella Note. Reuters starts calling back to other tweets that Elon's had recently where there's the music note emoji, and he writes, love me tender music note emoji. He's like, what could this mean? It's a song by a Elvis. Song. But everybody's looking into this stuff, and it's like, well, I don't know what's going on. And then, to cap it off here, there was an article on Bloomberg where Elon Musk went back <laughs> talking about a Twitter price for from a tweet in 2017 where he said, how much? Basically, like, how much would it be to buy the company? So Elon Musk used the upside-down smiley face on this tweet from five years ago, Right? And so Bloomberg reports this as a story. Here's the, here's the actual story. Bloomberg.com. Musk uses inverted smile emoji on 2017 tweet about Twitter price. Why don't they put the emoji in there? To which Bloomberg tweets this out. And Elon Musk puts a smiley face with a tongue sticking out to Bloomberg. And two eyes. Yeah. So then somebody named Greg, great name, um, on Twitter <laughs> goes, breaking. Elon Musk used a tongue sticking out with two eyes emoji on Saturday in response to a news article by Bloomberg saying he used upside down smile emoji on Saturday in response to a tweet that he sent. I love Greg. It's a good tweet. You would take any recommendation from him. <laughs> anything he wants to sell. Do you think it's done there? It's not. Because this user whose name is at Greg 16676935420 got a response from Elon. Yeah. And he gave him the two smiley crying sideways faces and i look like I, you're using twitter you're having fun more people should have fun on twitter so whatever i thought that was like again this is like a simulation this cannot be real life they were talking about <laughs> the emojis used by people everywhere and then to cap it all off this had happened the week Last week, when all the news broke out, and this comes from Alex Heath at Alex Heath on Twitter, Alex E. Heath on Twitter, says, can't make this stuff up. It's, quote, focus week, end quote, for employees at Twitter. They had Monday off, and the rest of the week is supposed to be heads down on projects with minimal meetings. Now they wake up to Elon's hostile <laughs> takeover playing out. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Whatever the camera shut off here, it's probably going to be completely different news, but that's just a little update, and I don't know. I It's it's amusing to me. I don't have 
a horse in this race. So um, I don't know. Anyway, I just want an edit button. Well, again, More to mo- come. many folks like that. Some people think it is a, a huge, um, huge issue. If that's political, <laughs> everything's, everything's political, political. Watch what emojis you use, Chef. I love the upside down smiley face personally. It's a good one. Particularly when it's the clown. As long as you don't use the cartwheel emoji. Oh, that one's canceled. She wants it everywhere. Oh, you know that. (laughs) Okay, next up here in the news, Barry Schwartz has an article on Search Engine Roundtable about a new tool that helps you import your Universal Analytics goals into GA4. This was first spotted, at least by Barry, by Charles Fiorina. Hey, look at us at Charles Fiorina on Twitter. He doesn't care about me, but he said the conversion migration tool for Google Analytics 4 is now live. If you head to Setup Assistant, you should see a new option to import your Google Analytics goals. So it seems really easy. Um, from the admin section in GA, you select your desired GA4 property. In the property column, you're going to click Setup Assistant. Then you can select what goals you need to import. And I still feel like you should use this as an opportunity to clean up your goals. Like I was worried when I heard about this that you were going to have to import all of them. And I'm glad that you can select which ones because I was excited about that clean out. Um, So I thought this sounded pretty cool. So, of course, I had to go to our data lady on staff, Sarah Burke, and ask what she thought of it. She says she's more pro start from scratch with GA4 than importing anything because you'll still need to do the tag setup in Tag Manager. So all it saves is flipping on a switch. Then she sent me a take from Derek Cavallero at Derek Cavallero on Twitter. He says, honestly, I wish they wouldn't have made this. It's just going to cause chaos. So do with it what you will. If this makes you feel better about switching to GA4, anything we can do to get you over there. So I was actually talking to Sarah about this earlier and I'm with her. Like this seems crazy, but I also have somebody like Sarah at my disposal. But I just feel like Google G4 is still missing annotations, Mm -hmm. views, Views. simple things that make sense to transfer over. And this is the thing that they're working on. This is the thing Mm -hmm. that they're putting out. Like this doesn't give me a lot of hope. You don't even have to make it transferable. Just let me add annotations retroactively. I'll take that. Anything. Anything, but I just, I feel like this is, if this was the last thing they did, great. One of the first things, this is, yeah. Chaos will ensue. Yeah. So do with it what you will. What else is happening? So much. It's me again here with more social news regarding shopping. This time, the article is from Social Media Today, and it is titled, Pinterest announces new partnership with WooCommerce to expand product listings. Said partnership means big things like the launch of a new Pinterest app within WooCommerce, which will include a range of shopping features, including tag deployment and catalog ingestion, basically making it super easy to convert items in your product catalog into shoppable pins, which is amazing. Uh, The ability to create and launch ad campaigns via that app. WooCommerce merchants will also be given beta access to the Pinterest API version 5 to provide more options for building custom pin shopping experiences. This is all great stuff. You might recall a similar move with Shopify last year. Pinterest is just a platform out there knowing who it is and growing because of it. And I love that they're just making things easier for people to sell things. Makes Mm -hmm. sense for Pinterest, makes sense for merchants. Like, amazing. That rug kind of looks like the Aldi rug from the Isle of Shame. What's that? What? Are you guys in Aldi community Isle of Shame on Facebook? No. What? 
That was maybe. Can we have a clock here for reach of the year? All the rug pile of shame. No, it's not just rugs. They have the crate. Okay, Jill Fetcher got me onto this. Oh, from AG AG Scoop. Scoop. <laughs> okay. They have the craziest things in the Aldi Isle of Shame. It'll be like a pizza oven or like shoes for your kids. Yeah. Or now they have these awesome indoor outdoor rugs, sparkly pants. Someone wore them the Oscars. It's just this whole community of people who find these things in the Isle of Shame. I always thought that it was different depending on your Aldi, kind of like a TJ Maxx situation. But no, it's pretty consistent. And you can order them all on Instacart. Wow. What? Which Oscars? Did they happen yet? The Grouch? Yeah. Did it? You know. This year's? I hadn't heard anything. They were about it. they <laughs> they went off without a hitch. Oh. That was that killed me to say. That pun, <laughs> that, um, that pun <laughs> slapped. <laughs> ah! Anyway, I can invite you guys. <laughs> no, not you not on Facebook, right? I'll I'll not take that recommendation. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. All right. This week's take of the week comes from Spencer Hawes at Niche Pursuits on Twitter. Are you, are you niche or niche people? Niche. 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 Yeah, you sound a lot smarter. Killer, are you a niche person or are you a niche Niche. After you just told her that we got smarter, <laughs> you think she's going to say niche? I don't know if you're actually smarter by saying that. But anyway, Spencer Hawes said, Google is killing creativity in writing. I used to write fun articles that I just knew would entertain or be fascinating for my audience. But now I write what Google wants me to write, and it's usually boring. Here's a short rant on SEO for blogs and possible solutions. To be fair, it goes into some things that make sense, but I will just say this is a bad take. This is like if you only care about one platform, then I would agree. Nah, I wouldn't really agree with it. I'd still say like, yeah, you, having more keyword, having very specific content can help. But th there's way more to marketing than just Google, bro. Like this show is maybe the worst <laughs> possible way to leverage any type of success on Google. Our titles are only written for, for whoever's listening to this. We do it once a week and it ends. And it's like, we can still find audience other ways than just Google. And we don't even care about Google, quite frankly. Like, it doesn't do it for this show. Like, we're not going to stop. We're not going to change the way we write. Like, sure, just do a few things that you're looking to do to cover very specific things you can help on. But try to be a thought leader on stuff, bro. You know? Yeah, yeah. man. Um, be fascinating. <laughs> but anyway, to 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 everything else, I would actually read this th thread if you want. I'll pull up some some nice things that Spencer said, um, where he says you didn't need you didn't know you needed to. Oh, he's talking about YouTube being good. He says YouTube, on the other hand, knows exactly what to do with creativity. The YouTube suggestion engine is fine tuned and will get you watching the most obscure and entertaining videos that no one ever searched for. You didn't know you needed to watch whatever stupid thing Mr. Beast did today, but you sure are glad YouTube suggested it. Mr. Beast sucks. I tried watching some of his stuff. It's unwatchable. It's very loud. Um, Do you then, remember those German YouTube videos or workout videos I used to recommend? Yeah. We'll never forget I those. I did not want to watch that. But anyway, I, I get it. And then he goes on to say a few other things that are very interesting about Discover might be helping to fill some of that void as well with Google. So um, that's it. But I didn't want to have just a, 
a take that I didn't agree with. So I've got one. Don't pre-click this, you two. Okay. okay. This comes from William Harris, WM Harris 101 on Twitter. And he says, it's a list of adding new keywords and recommendations for uh, right within Google Ads. And he writes, this is for a kid's boutique, dot, dot, dot. But please keep telling me just how smart AI is and that we should keep letting Google eliminate more and more of the manual control we have over our advertising. Some decisions aren't based on performance, and the AI doesn't get that. Okay? So the keywords added for this kid's boutique are newborn gift, interactive learning toy, Montessori child care, male pleasure device. (gasps) (laughs) For a kid's boutique. What performance are they concerned with? Oh, Jessica. <laughs> the pleasure device? It's for kids' boutique. I understand. You... <laughs> this is what you get if you, you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to apply all 355 oh. recommendations. Imagine what other devices are in there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's really bad. That's really bad. bad. So, you yeah. shouldn't even be allowed to advertise on that keyword. Like, what? Well, it's the thing. There is that, that big issue where they wouldn't let Adam and Eve rank for the name Adam and Eve because of what it is, but you could still purchase. So in order for them to get any visibility, it had to be all ads. And apparently, that goes for kids' boutiques as well. Man. For the kids. <laughs> Man, pleasure device is right, Shep. <laughs> all right. Now it's time for this week's ICYMI. ICYMI, people... This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. I see why am I people from Chris Ridley at C underscore J underscore Ridley on Twitter. He says, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you can exit a negative keyword list in Google ads without being taken back to the campaigns tab. And he has a video on how to do it. It's honestly not easy, but the point is... (laughs) (laughs) I said last week about one of Chris Ridley's tweets that he was like, I don't know if this is new. And I said, you need to start saying, I don't know who needs to hear this. And then later I said that I hated that when you press the back button from the negative keyword list page in Google ads, it took you back to the all campaigns tab. But it turns out there is a way to do it. If you X out of the list you're in at the top, you know, I'm not sorry. That's a terrible user experience. It's real bad. I don't think that I was wrong to not figure that out. So do you think you impacted him saying, I don't know who needs to hear this? Because that really I hope sure. But it's so true. Like, this isn't a new thing. But I think a lot of people struggled with that problem. And a lot of people needed to hear it. At least I did. I think it's a nod to you in both ways. Yeah. So thanks, Chris Ridley. He also DM'd it to me. So I know it was a nod to me in both (laughs) (laughs) ways. Look at that. Now it's time for this week's Pew Pew Lightning Round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid universe this week, David Herman at Herman Digital tweeted, only one rep has gotten back to us regarding last Tuesday's Metabug. That was the one where, I love the the term Metabug. (laughs) (laughs) We should patent it. Um when they turned off people's ads and it seemed like they were turning off everyone's highest performing ads. So that was wonderful. 
Um, he says, since then, Facebook performance has taken a dive, but he used an emoji for it. So I'm reading it Elon Musk style. Demand account- accountability from Meta for business when their engineers messed up. It's your money they screw with. It's inexcusable to let them push another problem aside. This is true, David Herman, but I just feel helpless in the matter. What are we supposed to do, March? If he can't do anything, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> I, don't know. I guess he is doing something with this tweet. So thanks, David. Microsoft Advertising is extending the migration date for RSAs from June 30th to August 29th. This is from an article from Greg Finn for Search Engine Land, and he recommends that you add some RSAs to your account before that time, right? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you should have done it You're already. You're a good marketer. You yeah. should have it in there. So now the date is August 29th. After that date, you will not be able to create new ETAs, but the ETAs in your account will still serve. You'll only be able to create new RSAs. Tales from PPC Reddit, everybody. This one is from PPC Support Rep. We need some support after this one. Not the kind he's talking about, or she's talking about. So, oh no, the rep is definitely a woman. I don't know the gender or identity of PPC Support Rep. It's so hard on Twitter, on Reddit, because everyone's anonymous. Just say thing. Okay. Fine. PPC Support Rep, they um, liked their rep and... The rep was able to give them valuable insights about their competition. So they said, my account's CPA was about $350, and his rep revealed that... (laughs) He just went to his again. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Our CPA was significantly better than our competitors, who were averaging between $1,200 and $1,500. I didn't know they like dug into your competitors about that. Is that good or bad? I wouldn't really trust it, You think it's... Yeah. But why would she lie? You'd think she'd lie the other way. Because they're spending more? Yeah, but the CPA is so much higher. Okay, let me finish. They want you to spend more. So from there, her recommendations were to get more impression share and spend three to four X more budget to capture the remaining impression share that they were missing out on due to ad rank. Oh, weird. This is the hook. Why want to spend more money? Why would she say the CPA was so much higher? I'm not going to spend more if their CPA is so much higher. Just like this person didn't. Their cost per conversion was significantly better than their competitors. Yeah. Meaning you've got a competitive advantage right now. You should be spending three to four X that. Why would you say to spend more if your CPA stinks? Okay, but she doesn't help herself in this paragraph. I agree. I pointed out that we would be receiving basically the same or less number of leads for triple the budget. Her response was that we needed to be more competitive in order to grow and be more like our competition and that if we weren't willing to do the budget increase, then we wouldn't qualify to remain in the accelerated growth team. Wait, why would you have the same number of leads for triple the budget? That's what I don't get. Because there's math here. Yeah. I don't know. Also, I bet their CPA had like different leads in it. You can't just be like, oh, I took a peek in your competi- your competition's account and this is what their CPA is. It just seems kind of crazy. Do you think there's reps peeking in our accounts? Oh, uh, cer- certainly. I mean, I mentioned it last time. I don't know. These reps, their bottom line is revenue increases. It's it's sad, but it's true. Or it's to get into new initiatives, which will hopefully hit revenue OKRs increases. Um, and if you 
aren't like super friendly and don't do stuff, you get booted out of programs. Like it's not, not a, it's not, they're not like, clearly this is not aligned with this particular advertiser that didn't want to spend more. And many times if you don't listen, if you don't play by, play, you know, by their rules, you get kicked out of things. Some so people what? just can't spend more. Yeah. Well, then who you wants actually, to be in this? Well, accelerated this is the growth equals accelerated happening. spend. Yeah. Do you want you want the actual answer? We can cut this out if you want. There are people and agencies that don't do a lot of the work. They have Google do it, and Google can do tons and tons of work, which is why the Premier Program or the Premier Partner, Google Partners Premier Level Access, is a substantial advantage. Because you can save time by not hiring people. And so you don't have to hire people. So your margins are better. And Google can do a ton of stuff for you. And they actively go to try to do it. Now, it's always going to help Google's revenue. Not going to help your clients as much. But it's going to help you as a company. Because you don't have to pay somebody to implement it the correct way. You can have Google implement their own their own initiatives. How is that long-term success Isn't for your the company, well, though? Then you get people that get booted out of the program, like us, for not implementing things and being a little hostile when somebody was really pushing something once. And now we are trying with everything, we're trying to diversify as much as we can out of Google Ads at all times. So everybody should be as well. Like that's not that's not something crazy to think. But the plan is to get more money out of people. That's always the plan. There's never one part where the plan isn't like, hey, let's make less money off of this. Frankly, there, if you are somebody and you hear somebody, uh, an agency you're working with, and they're going, yes, 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 with Google reps, and you're on these calls, you should be very worried. Very worried. Google is not a fiduciary agent to your business. That is who you employ at your company that's in your marketing team should be looking out for your money or your agency. And unfortunately, that Google that Google relationship that many people have, they can't wean off of it. You have to, it's, it's terrible for business to have people to, to, to all of a sudden have to hire more people. Like it's not, not good. It's real. I don't know. So like there are many people on Google that are fantastic and wonderful, but don't get it twisted. They're not doing this to make less money. It's just, mm-hmm. there's nothing in there to make less money. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's lower level that isn't maybe at the premier level, they get paid paid and compensated based off of from, from from what I've heard allegedly, from what programs you get to put people into. And I was talking to somebody a while back that would make more money when they would turn somebody to maximize clicks because then the account would make more revenue. They'd spend more of their budget, hypothetically and allegedly. So that's the case. That's what it is. And then again, if you give them a little bit of feedback, you get kicked out of the program. This is the kind of stuff you learn in Tales from PPC Reddit. Or the dark place. Honestly, more people need to stand up to this because it's you're giving a competitive advantage to people that aren't acting in the client's behalf. And it's sad. It's sad. I will never do that. We'll, we'll never be in that premier program again. And I'm, I, it's, it's what it is. So what? No one's sad about it, especially our clients. I'm sad because it, it sucks. It makes life harder, but whatever. Hard things are hard. Okay, and from David Herman again <laughs> at Herman Digital, he says the future of TikTok ads is Google search ads. Oh so this what? is a notification in the platform that says there are three settings 
to match your keywords with search terms. I'm gonna go in backwards order. For exact match, add brackets around your keywords. For phrase match, add quotes around your keywords. We use broad match by default. <laughs> 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 they're putting so it consistent. out there. Yeah. They're setting it up. They're telling you. Yeah, they're yeah. not acting like it's just an accident. So have fun over there on TikTok. Dario Zanoni is back at it again with a new profile picture. He's in an orange shirt now. Love to see it, Dario. And he says, Google Ads RSA assets. You can now obtain additional data about their distribution with the download more options function in the view asset details screen. This allows you to get asset data segmented by time, network, and position on page. So he has a screenshot here that shows you how to do this, but it seems like you can dial in that information a lot better now and you can segment it by day, week, month. It looks like a lot of fun to play around with. So thank you, Dario. Okay, Mike Ryan Retail is here with a business meme, everybody. Yay. What do we think of this, Greg? I love this one. Okay, so <laughs> the caption is, are we standing at the edge of expertise? Hashtag PPC chat. Is this a meme that's like making its way around town or is it this is a now. new one to you? Okay. It's now. So it is a SWAT team, I think. Sheriff A team. sheriff team. <laughs> says it right there. Many times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Straight. Maybe it's SWAT like marketing, you know? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. SWAT. Oh, you didn't go to college for marketing. <laughs> I didn't. Never took a class in my life. <laughs> I've used it absolutely a few times. Okay, so they're banging down the door of this house, and the guy in front says Performance Max. What do you call that? Battery Ram? Battering Ram? Battering Ram. Okay. Yeah. And then the next guy next to him, these are actual guys, okay? I'm not being judgmental here. ETA, Sunset. Then we've got GA4 followed by Cookie, Deprecation. Depreciation. No, nope. no, that's God. deprecation. Oh my God, Greg. So it's clear now. I was going to make this point <laughs> after this meme. It has become abundantly clear that everyone in the world knows the term deprecation except for us. <laughs> it must be a Buffalo thing. We read <laughs> it as deprecation every time. <laughs> okay. The punchline is if you scroll down, <laughs> the door is being held locked. By, it appears to be an off-brand Cheeto. <laughs> and it says 15 plus years of paid search experience. Go follow us on social. It'll be on our stories and everything, at Marketing Clock. It's really great, Mike. Love it. That's an Aldi Isle of Shame Cheeto. That's not a real <laughs> Cheeto. It's just like the pants. <laughs> okay, Jill's asking Gales, do you guys remember a couple weeks ago, she tweeted something about a Performance Max campaign finally finding its stride after two months. I think it was two months, but the punchline was it spent $20,000 before it found its stride. And everyone came in there like Jill Saskin-Gales, who is your client who could do this, but I'm happy for you. Well, I'm sad for her now because she retweeted it and said, performance max giveth and performance math. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People say this. Performance max giveth and performance max taketh away. What would Elon Musk call that emoji? Sad, Concerned. sad eyebrows with two eyes and a mouth. You know what change I made right before the reach plummeted? I increased the budget. 
shrug girl shrugging emoji with purple top and blonde hair. I haven't touched the campaign since April 3rd, and it started ramping up again on April 13th. Go figure. So, yeah, the performance has dropped off. This chart is just sad and comical. It's literally like the Superman here at Six Flags Darien Lake in Buffalo. So it's not looking good. <laughs> it's like not the steepest roller coaster. <laughs> but we appreciate you sharing your insights. Queen, Jill's Haskin Gales. And cease and desist on the chart talk. Also, Cedar Point, Shep, has like four roller coasters that are crazier than away. Superman. You think it's just Buffalonians listening to our show? I know, but I sat here in Buffalo. I haven't been to Cedar Point. I'm poor. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We went to Six Flags with the family package. 30 people getting in for like $5 a ticket. And we brought our own lunch. You were raised in Busch Gardens, weren't you? No, I went like four times, but the memories just stick out more than (laughs) Darien Lake where I went every weekend. Okay. Bruno Giosa at Bruno Giosa on Twitter had his first big issue with Performance Max this week. One of his clients, PMAX, was getting into one of our competitors' brand name search results. This is a market where we have a gentleman's agreement and something like that can be seen as a huge penalty. I want to know what industry he's in that has these nice gentleman's agreements and I'd like to be a part of it. Yeah, I've seen it locally, especially with like colleges where people are trying to conserve spend right and and it's like a big deal so like if you do pmax no you're getting branded no you might start a war with a competitor without you even knowing it by starting to show up for their name they're going to start showing up for i i understand pmax's future this is the dumbest hacking product in the world this is so asinine i i the fact they don't, that Google doesn't even know what the signals are. It's making up freaking videos for people. It's going to replace shopping. It's unusable, this stupid platform. Yeah, we're getting to the videos, so. I just, I, I, we should, we, we should just do one where we bring people on, we complain about Google, marketing a talk about that. Say, so, hey, let's, what do you want to complain about Google Ads? We love the platform so much, and Google Ads hates their own platform. They hate themselves. What do we do? That wasn't up, very gentlemanly of you. Just you could not breath. be in this industry. People don't know this. People don't know this. Google just puts it out there, and it's a way for them to get more inventory. And yeah, you're going to start bidding on competitors' names, and you're going it, to. It's not, not a good product. It is takes away every good port part that Google has to offer people, and it turns it into a pile of. Sorry, killer. <laughs> okay, this is. Even worse. (laughs) In absolutely terrifying news, Barry Schwartz is reporting a bug with Google Ads automated rules conditions, quote, not sticking. So James Fadoba tweeted tweeted this week. (laughs) We got to keep that in. He said. I think it was like a quiet tweet. (laughs) It's a gentleman's agreement. Anyone else having issues with Google Ads automated rules not keeping conditions when you save them and just running them for everything? And then Kevin Adams at Kevin Adams PPC said, yep, added a series a couple months ago, had to keep double checking, updating and serving again multiple times. This is the last thing you want because rules are what you're supposed to never have to worry about. I don't want the emails. I just want them working properly. 
that's the worst thing I could ever hear. And it's just going to keep me up at night. But thanks for sharing. <laughs> okay. Frazier Andrews at PPC underscore Frazier. Back to the videos. He said, just saw a PMAX video ad from a very big supplement brand. And it's so clear to see the difference from auto-generated PMAX videos and professional content. Would 100% advise setting up proper videos <laughs> as what I just saw with something else. First of all, I just need, I you know, know, I love to see a, a you know, rubbernecking, you're watching the car accident on the other side of the road. I want to see one of the videos. So no. if anyone could record it, keep driving. Up. I want to see it. Okay. Frazier. Awesome screenshot. Record the video for me. I would love to see it. Also, do you think that it was liver King, the supplement provider? No. I don't think so. He doesn't need advertising. <laughs> He's got himself. He needs a shirt. <laughs> I think it was. And via Larry Chassie, he says, or sorry, he's sharing an awesome article from Spotify about how to find and reach your target audience with um, digital audio ads on Spotify. It's really insightful for anyone like Jess Bud who wants to use Spotify ads. So check it so out. So badly. Thanks, Larry. What is happening in organic this week? All right. And first up in organic, the new search insights tool that we talked about for YouTube is launching by the end of the month. So this is one where you can hop into your channel analytics. You can go to the research tab and you can see what viewers are searching for on YouTube. To, and it's specifically searches across YouTube and then also like what your viewers are searching as well. So... I checked today, we still don't have it, but by the end of April, everybody should have it, so it is rolling out now. And by way of Glenn Gabe, he writes, previously called Blue Steel, the next step for ambient computing, Google's Nest Hub's look and talk activation heads towards release. We talked about this a few weeks back, it was codenamed after the, I've never seen it, I know, the Zoolander movie where you have that face you make the blue steel face or something right i haven't seen it either oh yeah. my nobody's gosh. seen it i'm surprised you guys haven't seen it we should do a movie review next week okay Ooh, yeah all right shooting the hack next week movie review zoolander killer have you seen it okay anyway here is what's happening they say despite early rumors about ultrasound sensors the look and talk feature will use google nest hub max smart displays camera to spot and activate Google Assistant when a user is looking at the camera built into the screen. So instead of saying, hey, Google, you can just look at the screen and the device that Google made that's in your house is always looking at you all the time. And when it thinks you're looking at it, it will then activate so you can just stare at it. But it's watching the whole time. Who would use this? Who wants this? Probably a lot of people, not me. I don't want this. Why would you want a camera looking at you all the time? And yet, well, you were surprised that I was one of the girlies who puts a webcam cover No, it's, I just have never bought one of them. I have one in most places. I just don't have one of my laptop. I just thought you'd be like the first person to buy one. Yeah. Hey, Google, look at me. Because I'm, you I'm, always say things like this. I'm practicing, you know, the, the Mike TV Oompa Loompa song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want that. Um, all right. And from Adam DeFrisco at DI underscore Frisco SEO on Twitter, he writes, these quote, updates from customers, end quote, are a nightmare. And he is talking about Google Maps, Google Places, whatever you want to call it. It says, 
A horrible review from a year ago takes up so much space and is located directly below the Google post. It's actually very well done. Scary stuff for businesses. An example he had was for a B-dubs, and there's uh, basically an image from the owner, and then right underneath it, it says microwaved slimy queso. And I think this is a great thing to check out. If you are a business owner, there's not a heck of a lot you can really do to remove some of those things. But what you can do, again, within guidelines, is try to get more of those updates from, from your happy customers out there and see if maybe some of those can get enough clout to remove that other one. But I was so in a B-dubs when the Bills ended their playoff drought. I've never been in a B-dubs. I didn't even know what it was. I had to read the words. Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh. And I said, I found God in this B-dubs. Oh. So I can leave a Big slimy queso fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And also... Hat tip to Glenn and Gabe on this. There's a article over on Wired that says the future of web of the web is marketing copy generated by algorithms. Now, we had a pretty funny clip from last week's show about that. And I'm going to read a quick um, note here from Wired. They say generating marketing lines is proven to be one of the first large-scale uses for text generation technology, which took a leap forward in 2020 when OpenAI announced the commercial version of GPT-3, which we've talked about a bunch. Um, goes on to say that the users talk of algorithm-propelled writing as if it will quickly become as ubiquitous as automatic spell checking. And there's a quote from Danny Sullivan in there. Danny Sullivan, Google's public search liaison, says that more sophisticated writing tools can suggest large chunks of text shouldn't harm a page's ranking if used to genuinely help web surfers. And he says, quote, if the primary purpose of content is for users, it shouldn't fall afoul of our guidelines, he says. If it's the best and most helpful content, then ideally we should be allowing it. And again, one thing he said is shouldn't and we should. So he's not saying it is. So that's one note there. We went through it pretty specifically. Check out last week's show if you want more of it. But Danny and Google and John Mueller, everybody is in a real precarious spot with all this. You can't say you absolutely cannot use this. You can't say you absolutely can use this. There's nuance. It's like with anything Google does, they have to speak very carefully. It's an impossible job. So I think this is a great example of them noting that, yes, there could be some um, sum summarized reviews if you use GPT-3 to come up with a summation of all the reviews in the past week. There's ways to make that help. All right, and Google is, has a things to consider within the shopping listing detail page. And this is from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable. And you can do all of your shopping. And the example he has is a bunch of watches. So it's some Omega watches. And then underneath, there's other things to consider right there within the shopping experience. And it's things like watch dials or a buying guide to monochrome. I don't understand this. I think you should just show product. I don't know why you try to get people off of the shopping experience to the web experience if they're there. Like, that's weird, but I get it. They're trying to get more, you know, cross-pollination between the locations. All right, and this was from a little bit earlier, but Casey Markey at MediaWise has an example of what you would get if you have an intrusive interstitial action taken against you. Um, it's just what you should see. So there's a lot of interstitials out there. If you get this email that's going to be up, follow and see what it looks like over at community.marketingclock.com. And um, that's going to be a problem if you see this one. So it'll be intrusive to your traffic. <laughs> All right. And from 
Gabriel Weinberg at Yag on Twitter, who started um, the DuckDuckGo search engine. There was a little bit of a rumor that they had been removing some sites from DuckDuckGo and completely purging, they said it. But that rumor was a duck duck no, because he said they're hoping to clear up some misconceptions about the private search engine. There's a completely made up headline going around. We're not purging anybody. Um, There was talk that they were purging Pirate Bay and a YouTube downloader. They said they're continuously available. It seems like it's more the site operator um, that's the problem. It's just not working as well as it should be, so they're looking into it. All right, and from Neil Mohan, most famously, I believe he's he's very high up in, in YouTube, but everybody will always know him for that one YouTube short that was supposed to be a five-minute video, and he put about six inches away from his face on his chair and turned it to one minute. It was the worst oh, video yeah, ever on mad. YouTube. Other than the 2018 urine review video. Never forget. <laughs> so that, that Neil Mohan. Neil's a hero. I don't know. <laughs> He says, today we're gradually expanding channel guidelines for YouTube creators. You can now create a set of rules for viewers to accept and set the right tone for comments and live chat on your channels and video. There's <laughs> an example. You can say, please read my guidelines before posting. It's a nice thought. There's no The way. internet doesn't read. The internet can't be stopped. No. Like, it's... I hope this is good. Again, we know they've got some serious problems over YouTube. There are those dislike attacks. Mm -hmm. How can we forget? I still need that tattoo. I I need that tattoo. Um, (laughs) When they couldn't figure out how to stop dislike attacks. So good luck seeing if this thing works. All right. And from the search engine and browser Brave, they're de-amping their results. Where possible, they're going to be damping and rewriting links to URLs to prevent users from visiting AMP pages altogether, Brave said in a blog post, um, and basically said in practice, AMP is harmful to users and to the web at large. So buy AMP. I hope I never interact with you again. And from Barry Schwartz at Rusty Brick on Twitter, he's got an example of Bing search video previews expanding downwards to show more related videos. This is a weird example. You're in this big screen. It looks like it's tablet mode looking at all these different videos. You click on a video and then you get like another scroll down, like laying on top of the initial scroll down that looks you have. It's terrible. It's not great. And that's it though. For organic, what you got, bud, and social? All right. First up in social this week from Instagram comms, they tweeted for a small group, we're testing more recent and timely content in top and reels tabs within hashtags and removing the recent tab. We want to see if this helps people connect with more interesting and relevant content on hashtags while also keeping them across what's current. So basically just removing a tab and surfacing recent content within the other tabs. You don't need a recent tab. Why? Because they want to show more reels. Yeah. Reels are already there. What, What possible upgrade could this be? I don't really know who's going that deep with hashtags I either. I like hashtags. Yeah? I like, like knife scales, knife handles, stuff like that. And do you care? Like I could see, but for stuff like that, like recency doesn't necessarily matter. But for current events and things that yeah. people might be using hashtags for, I don't know. I, don't know. I look at a lot of like places too, like especially conferences. Like you might be like, oh, what's happened to SMX? Like what's the sentiment out there? And you just, now it's just top. It's just unnecessary. Well, you'll get more recent stuff within the top. That's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to be TikTok. Is that how TikTok works? Well, they're trying to make people, instead of looking for the latest posts from their followers, find and discover new things. 
it, while also seeing the recent things. That's my guess because that's work, working for TikTok. Hmm. Well, everything that works for TikTok works for every other platform. We I, know that. I'm not Adam Missouri, okay? <laughs> Is that his name? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, you'd have to get closer to the camera to be him. Shut up. All right, sticking with Instagram from Jonah Manzano at Jonah underscore Manzano on Twitter. He shared a screenshot of a new notification that popped up for him on the home screen after updating the Instagram app. I believe he said it didn't happen right away. Like he updated, opened the app, and then a few hours later it just popped up. Um, but it says, Jonah, help people on Instagram find you on Facebook. And it essentially lets you add your Facebook profile link to your Instagram bio. Just stop. I, I feel like there's... They are Facebook. They are Instagram. Like Meta, they can come up with a better way to do this. It seems silly. Whatever. From The Verge, by way of 2019, right? Slash forever BFF of the show. Forever in our hearts. Yeah. (laughs) Reddit updates its search to index comments. It is available globally on the web, but not within its apps. And it's also improving its natural language searches. Glenn has a follow-up tweet where that says more with the new search feature. Results will be based on post interactions within the site. Now Reddit search results take into account how popular a particular result is across the platform. Interactions will help determine which of these results will rank the highest. So I love that. I love the transparency. It's nice to know that you can search things other than just the subreddits themselves. And if you need a place to go because you need to see if somebody's upvoting actual help, this is unbelievable. They saw an opportunity where Google couldn't, with YouTube, figure out the dislike attacks and had to remove the dislikes. Now you can see what people are generally saying is a good answer. Don't use YouTube anymore for anything about DIY or getting an answer. This is phenomenal with Reddit. It should be your go-to for getting answers. You can't rely on YouTube anymore. Do yourself it. What did I say? Did DIY? you say DIY? You say DIY. <laughs> <laughs> Do yourself it. <laughs> I kind of like that. Sounds like uh, something for one of those uh, kids boutiques. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next up from Protocol, Facebook is deprioritizing live audio and podcasts despite reportedly seeing good engagement with those audio products. Meta is focusing its efforts on e-commerce and trying to get creators into the metaverse. Get excited for that. In related news from TubeFilter, Spotify is apparently shuttering the creator fund for its green room platform. So also moving away from that live that audio. Didn't <laughs> Do you remember when every story in social was another person doing live audio? Yeah. Now every story is just them not doing it. And it's almost like we're a hundred percent correct with everything so far. Name Us? one miss. Name yeah. one name one of our Spotify. misses. I could have worked. I don't know. The way they executed it was absolutely But remember, terrible. you could turn it into a podcast. That was cool. Or you could just have a podcast. Yeah. That's cool, too. Nobody wants to edit, especially <laughs> not me. <laughs> Poor killer. All right, Greg, it's no YouTube, but TikTok is testing a private dislike button for comments. According to TechCrunch, the dislike button won't be public. Commenters won't be notified that their comment has been disliked, but it's basically a way for users to flag comments that might be spam or just not related to the context of the video that they're posted under. So, you know, it's not a replacement, obviously, for reporting things that are bad. There's still a tool for that, but this is currently being tested and could be nice, could be something at least in the background if it's not public-facing. 
from MarTech, and this is really good. Meta asked court to intervene in $7 billion lawsuit over Facebook audience numbers, and it says the group is too diverse to be granted class action status. They have filed an appeal. They have filed to appeal a decision by the U.S. District Court Judge James Donato that essentially granted that class action status to the plaintiffs. To quote the article, he, the judge, rejected the company's argument that the class was too diverse because it included large, sophisticated corporations as well as individuals and small businesses. The judge said it made sense for individuals to sue as a group because no reasonable person would sue Meta on their own. And no reasonable person is even using their ad platform anymore because that thing is such a mess. I feel like they should be happy that they can give people some money back and maybe it'll buy some goodwill and people will come back to the platform, but it's a mess over there. And I don't like to make a big deal out of my birthday. Oh, what? How was your birthday? (laughs) It was fine. I had a great time. Forgot to wish you happy birthday on the show. That's all right. I wasn't going to bring it up, but um, there were some tweets happening on my birthday, 416, by the way, if you want to give me a gift next year. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but Jane did. Jane Manchin Wong (laughs) had a gift that everyone wanted on my birthday. Details about the much anticipated edit button on the bird. No way. Mm Mm-hmm. Jane says. I switched it in there. Thank I you. I don't. Perry Farrell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's done with Sergio. All right. She, her actual tweet says, look like Twitter's approach to edit tweet is immutable, as in instead of mutating the tweet text within the same tweet, same ID in parentheses, it recreates a new tweet with the amended content along with the list of old tweets prior to that edit, which, Greg, I know Perfect. you. Like, that's what Good. you said they should do. Perfect. So you I feel like you read the like. writing on the wall. Never wrong. You're calling it, calling it, calling it, calling it. I also want an option to like respond in a separate thing and say, oops, sorry, I tagged Barry Schwartz as at Barry Schwartz. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could just do that. Yeah. (laughs) There should be a side notes panel for that. I kind of like that. That's a whole new feature. Talk to Elon. Send him an emoji. Icing on the birthday cake from Nima OG at Nima underscore OG. On Twitter, he shared a GIF of it in action. Um, So you can actually see that this is a real thing. There's an edit tweet button. You can kind of see what it looks like. But he did also confirm that it is just a part of Twitter blue. So, Shep, you'll just have to tweet your updates as part of a thread when you screw up. (laughs) And I don't remember if we talked about this back in December or not. There wasn't a lot of detail in the tweet. And I don't remember talking about this. But back then... Alessandro Paluzzi tweeted that there was um, Instagram was working on a create canvas. He shared a screenshot. It just said create canvas. That's all it said. But this week, he's got an update for us. He says, Instagram keeps working on the canvas, now called boards feature, with the eye emoji. And he says, here's more information about it. He shares a screenshot. It says create with boards. You can talk while you create. You can add to your shared space. You can draw, add emojis, stickers, texts, and GIFs. They'll remain until cleared. And then you can share reels and stories. So it seems kind of like an interactive place where people can like watch you create. I feel like Bob Ross would love this. Ooh. Maybe I'm interpreting it wrong, but it just feels like an interactive space, like you're putting on a show. Pappy oh. drew it. I don't get it. You don't know that show? No. <laughs> Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm well, sure our listeners friends. do. Because <laughs> I like you. <laughs> All right, from the BKH, at the BKH on Twitter, TikTok has profile views now. We've got a screenshot here of profile view history. 
It says it will appear here. Only you can see who viewed your profile in the past 30 days and only people who turned profile view history on will be shown. So rest assured, kids, you can still stalk if you want to. Lastly, here in social, Facebook groups are coming to WhatsApp. Kind of. Uh, not really at all, actually. So from TechCrunch, Meta has <laughs> announced plans for a major update to WhatsApp that will allow users to participate in larger discussion groups called communities. They will offer more features than regular group chat on the platform, such as file sharing, group calls for up to 32 of your closest friends, emoji reactions, subgroups, and probably the most important part, admin and moderation tools. But it really isn't the same as Facebook groups. I was just joking. WhatsApp communities will not be public nor discoverable. You can't just join them. You have to be invited. And depending on how you interact with other users, your phone number and theirs could be visible. So it is really personal. Like you kind of, if you don't know these people, they could call you. So it wouldn't be a good fit for Aldi community. I love shame. Maybe just your local one. Okay. But now that we know they're all the same, I guess you wouldn't use it for that. Um, I don't know. It's meant to be a more personal experience. The use cases that they described in the article are using the app to interact with like coworkers or other parents in your kid's class, things like that. I think it's smart. I know they're trying to boost adoption in the U.S. and I feel like this is a good way to do that, kind of like building, it's not quite the same as Nextdoor, but like actual community-based communities. So... We'll see what happens with this when it actually rolls out. It's it's just planned for now. I roll. All right. Now on to our segment segment. And we first up have Stonks with Shep. Hey. Shep, tell me if it's a, a buy or a sell. Okay? okay. So this comes from Coindesk. Crypto entrepreneur Sina Astava bought Twitter founders Jack Dorsey's first ever tweet as an NFT for $2.9 million last year. He listed the NFT for sale again at $48 million last week. Buy or sell? Am I going to buy it or sell it? Do you, as a financial investment, do you buy or sell? That particular NFT. Yeah, you buy an NFTs and se- or selling them. No. But selling them. he bought it for $2.9 million and listed it for sale for $48. Well, it sounds like a, a good flip or flop. Well... You are correct. It was sell. The top bid was $280. You're kidding. So we bought it for $2.9 million in the top. I think it actually moved up to me like six grand, but you bought it for $2.9 million and then the top bid at the time was. What is he going to do? Lose a lot of money. That is a flop. That's insane. Yeah. So NFTs may not be the future. And you heard it here first. Not but- future NFT. All right, and I've got good news for everybody out there. A big thing, especially in the industry, especially as an agency, especially as a consultant, is imposter syndrome. We all have it. We all face it. But April 19th, 2020, at Google Creators on Twitter. 2022? 2022. At Google Creators, or Google for Creators on Twitter, tweeted, imposter syndrome is officially retired eyes closed faced so it's retired you can't have it anymore why because nobody can dislike your videos they they solved it i just want i read it how what was the follow-up to this it's at google creators they're google Jess. Okay. that is insane because i had it today so yeah what a stupid tweet <laughs> they're incorrect do you remember when google my business or whatever was doing all those like line drawings this is oh a worse God. tweet than those remember when i was a troll during the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> And that brings us to our real life segment. 
straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I think this is only a problem if you're launching a new campaign. I could be wrong, but I wanted bid estimates in the campaign for keywords, but I was using smart bidding because I was considering switching off of smart bidding and they weren't there. And I just think that's a problem. Like you obviously know what they are. Just show me what they are. They don't want you to use them. Yeah. Annoyed. I'm also annoyed when, if views and annotations do come to GA4, it would be really, really nice to have a way to apply said annotations at the property level, or at least like select multiple views to apply them to. Cause I am so sick of copy pasting. So sick of it. All right. And something working hard, the new at Google Ads custom columns. Go check it out. It's your homework if you would do Google Ads. Try to come up with something cool, even if you're just showing something like mobile. You could do this anyway with the old custom columns. But let's say it's the CPA of mobile and the CPA of desktop in one. Or try to do what Sarah did and show how many days are remaining in the month and how much you have left. But go play around with them. It will make you better, I promise. And now for this week's Cool tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool. All right. I think we've done Neat Sheet before, right? So this week's Cool Tool is a don't eat this sheet. Okay. There isn't a <laughs> rhyme left any in Mother Goose that you haven't used. And it's don't eat this sheet? I don't like eat this sheet. Love it. Right? Yeah. Did I use it right? Mother would know. <laughs> it's from Dan Brooks at SEO Dan Brooks on Twitter. But thanks to Chris Ridley for sharing this with us in our Discord channel. You can get hot tips like that as well as tons of other stuff. Community.marketingclock.com. This is a Google Sheet template where you can easily check on-page elements by simply copy and pasting in the URL for said page. We're talking things like titles, descriptions, headings, and canonicals, people. It is a super handy bookmark for a quick check. As always, we'll have the link in Discord as well as our newsletter. So pick your poison, check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from the one and only Glenn Gabe and G Squared Interactive, gsquaredinteractive.com. And he's got an article called How NewsGuard's Nutritional Labels Can Help Publishers Avoid Manual Actions for Medical Content Violations. I actually wasn't that familiar with NewsGuard. I've heard the name before. But Glenn goes through talking about when in July of 2021 there were warnings for site publishing medical content against its guidelines and how manual actions arrived six months after. A bunch of good examples of how using this NewsGuard um, basically software, you can see, I guess it's extension, same thing, software, whatever. Um, you can see if there's a listing in the SERP um, that might be potentially something to be concerned about that NewsGuard is flagging. So again, they call it nutritional label, but basically if somebody is, is publishing false content, not disclosing ownership or anything like that. So if you've got issues or you want to see what's out there, go read Glenn's article, gsquaredinteractive.com. Okay, do we have a furry fun fact today? You know we do. Just in time for the holidays. 
In the 16th century, the Pope decreed that due to the scaly tail and semi-aquatic lifestyle, beaver could be considered a fish and eaten during Catholic fasting days. Wow. Ugh. Are you going to eat any um, um, fried, what, a deep fried beaver? No, I mean, deep Lent is beef. over, so no, and that's just gross. I thought I'd give you a break from rats this week. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Can you talk about that tail again a little bit? What was no, that? please. Scaly tail. Scaly tail. Is it really scaly? Well, it's like a, yeah. I wonder if platypus fall under that. They lay eggs. You could let us know next week. (laughs) Write it down. Can't wait. Okay, and now onto our playlist of curated songs to work to. You can head over to playlist.marketingaclock.com to listen to Marketing a Playlist. Today, I will be adding Get Ready by Two Unlimited. I don't know who needs to hear this, but Jock Jams is not an artist. It's just a collection (laughs) of songs by other artists. However, there is an artist on Spotify called Jock James, but the U, wait, the O in Jock is a V. Wow. So, James. <laughs> Thank Not you so much. Okay, <laughs> what is your song? All right, we're recording here on Wednesday, 420. I'm going to go with Blue Sky <laughs> oh, by please. the Almond Brothers. Yes. <laughs> this one's for you, Shep. It's The Torture Doctor by <laughs> Alkaline Trio. <laughs> it's a song about H.H. H. Holmes, the first serial killer. Oh, hate Slash him. might be Jack the Ripper. You don't like him? He's a bad man. Just, They're all bad men. You are I don't all- like any serial killers. <laughs> you are always on brand, and I am here for it. It's an upbeat song. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Welcome to this week's Shoot in the Heck. We're after our famous Friday news show. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the heck. Greg has a experiment for us today. Do you want <laughs> no, to explain? It's, it's, it's a new game. It's everybody's favorite game, and it's called Sporty Sports with Greg. Okay. So one thing that I've got... I think pretty much everybody hates, they despise this concept I have of some sports are more of a sport than other sports, right? Like if you can inflict your will on somebody, then I think it's a sport. If there's some physicality, I think it's more of a sport than if there's not physicality. So I've got a list of 12 different sports or things that could be classified as sports and are on ESPN here. And I'm going to have you rate them in order. So we'll do, I'll, I'll list them off. We'll pause. We'll give you your order. I'll say who won, and I'll talk about which sports are the sportiest sports and which sports are less of a sport, if maybe even a sport at all. Okay. So on a scale of one to sport. Yes, scale one to sport. Okay. So first up, we have... Are these in order? No. No, this is just for the audience. You can find them there. Tennis, auto racing, paintball, golf, water polo. Ice hockey, poker, bowling, the spelling bee, curling, cornhole. Did I say auto racing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did I say paintball? I paintball. So I shouldn't put them in my order of sportingness sports, but there they are, and it'll be up on screen too. Killer, I'll send this over to you. Um, so you need to decide again what is the 
sportiest sports. Okay. All right. And then we'll come back to this. We'll pause it and we'll come back and see who has the correct sports. And I have a grading system for this. All right. So now I'm going to have everybody read off their list of the sportiest sports. Jess, you go first. All right. So the sportiest sports going down ice hockey, water polo, football, baseball, paintball, curling, tennis. I feel like all of those are curlings over tennis. Yeah, because tennis, you're sometimes by yourself, and I feel like an aspect of sport is being on a team. Oh, okay. Ooh, I like that wrinkle. Yeah, but it's a competition, team versus team, and then we get into some here that are a little bit hairy. You could be on a team, we could get to auto racing, the pit crew might be on your team, whatever, but it gets dicey from here. So we left off at tennis, right? So next is cornhole. Because <laughs> that could also be bag. a team. Yeah. Um, or heavy bags in my house. Bowling. <laughs> Golf, auto racing, poker, spelling bee, which at that point is just a one-on-one competition. Okay. No athleticism involved. All right. Now we're going to killer? I have ice hockey, of course, football, water polo, auto racing, baseball, (laughs) paintball, tennis, cornhole, golf, spelling bee, poker, bowling, and then curling. I feel like she wow. just has hate for Spe- curling. Many, what was spelling bee over? <laughs> spelling bee was over. Poker, bowling, and curling. Curling it's is a in mental the game. Golf, spelling bee, all mental. Okay, so my list Poker's was kind mental. of ranked on, you know, just America and then also um, like physicality, the team aspect, and just overall stupidity. Mm. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to, stupidity could be like, of a reason for it to be a sport or not be a sport, just depending on how I'm feeling. So I said, football, ice hockey, baseball, tennis, water polo, golf, auto racing, paintball, curling, bowling, spelling bee, poker, cornhole. Wow. <laughs> okay. So. You're wrong. About what? Cornhole. Cornhole is not a sport and it's called beanbag. It's more of a, I can't believe darts wasn't on the list. So. I just want to say, Killer, you had a very good showing, but I think just looking and doing some math here, Jess is the winner. Yes! Jess is the winner. Do you want to know the correct listing of the most sportiest sports? Out of everything listed, the number one sport, water polo. Why? Why? I could see that. It's a team sport. You have to like wrestle people. It's like Mm -hmm. supposed to be the most physical sport out there. And the minute you stop moving, you die. Oh, like drowning? Think about that, Mm. right? So that's number one. Number two is ice hockey because you get to really hit people and you have to skate and all that stuff. Sports are violent, so he's getting out. Then football, okay? So everybody's pretty good there except for, I mean, Chef, I don't know what you were doing this whole time, (laughs) to be honest. Um, And then it goes to baseball because there's not really a lot of contact there. Uh, And then, this is where it really threw a lot of people, tennis is next. It's still very physical, and you can exert yourself. You can beat the other player. It's not just a competition to see who's better at tennis. You can make them, you can, again, like exert your will on them. You're playing Ooh. against somebody. It's not like you're just like hitting a ball on a wall or something. Okay? This is where it gets really hairy here. Paintball is next. 
Then auto racing. These are all still sports because you can you can impact everything else. And then we have two more sports: curling and cornhole. Thank you. Okay, and curling is Bob Cornell, Jess. I agree with you. There's two people moving at a time, hundred percent. But cornhole, you can impact the person you're playing against. Very much so. It's uh, mental. Right. And yeah. cornhole, more of a sport than running. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And running then, wasn't on the list, though. This is the last sport on the list here. Poker. There's no physical activity oh. involved. Where did you put spelling bee? Okay, we're going to get to the three non-sports on the list here. Okay. So poker is the last sport because you can beat somebody. Right? So everything but we talked about. there's luck involved. No. You, but you you have to make decisions. You are, you can go beat somebody. You can trick somebody. You can slow play them. You can bluff them. You can beat somebody. It's you not like it's just all luck. Computer. Like talk, talk Daniel Negreanu, it's all luck. I don't know her. And I think it's also, <laughs> you could play a computer or can't you just play by yourself? Okay. That's not a sport. You can't play poker by yourself. How could you do that? I don't you know. Play solitaire? solitaire? Maybe. <laughs> like just because it has cards isn't the same thing. You got to know when to hold them. Okay. So, Killer, <laughs> this is where you're going to feel, this is where I'm going to feel your wrath. And this is what really takes you to lose. Non sport. The most no- sporty non sport golf. Why? Golf is Because a you game. don't actually play against somebody. Yes, you do. No, you don't. It's this happy In Gilmore tournaments, or something? you play against people. <laughs> right. But you, could, you can literally have one person on their hole, not next to somebody, not messing with their ball. You can't impact. I can't be like, hey, I'm going up against Killer today. I'm really going to get her good with this move. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you know what people have done, and it's been done to me when I'm playing with someone. They keep walking while I'm going to hit my shot, trying to distract me with their clubs moving in their bag. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> that seems like it's on you. Yeah. On yeah. me. Get your focus. Yeah. Is that against the rules? No, it's just the other person trying to throw me off my game. So you think because somebody can move while you're swinging that that, yes. that constitutes a sport? If they're carrying their clubs and their clubs are moving around making noise. What if they're carrying like a tambourine? <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> so you don't think bobsled is a sport? Team bobsled? No. No, <laughs> no neither of them are. It's okay. just to see who can it's go a competition. the yeah. I think if you look at that, it's all it's like a very exceptional athletic event. You are not going against somebody and sporting against them. You don't think gymnastics is a sport? Not a sport, not even close. No, golf is more of a sport than gymnastics. Not really. No, gymnastics is probably more of a sport. Okay. I think you need to be able to play against somebody for it to be a sport. Okay. Well, tell me more. What what else do I not know? (laughs) This is the Greg sport listing for sporty sports. It's my segment. Um, And then next up on the most sporty non-sport is bowling, which I was watching on ESPN the other day. And I'm just thinking like, you're just bowling. You're just bowling. Yeah. You don't need anybody else there. You can just bowl. There's a team aspect sometimes. Depends. I didn't see that one. Um, and then lastly, spelling bee. It's not a sport. You're spelling. Yeah, I don't know why that was on the list. You're acting like... It's just on ESPN every now and then. Yeah. Darts, though. Okay, so that's it. Those are the, the, the sportiest sports and sportiest non-sports for you. I just think Pete Weber would disagree with that list. You know who... Who do you think you are? <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's team. him right yeah right. so I won thing. this you won just you are officially the sportiest sportster <sighs> in the office I'm a gold star athlete okay gold well, medal I, I lost some brain cells during this segment and we'll see you next week